This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of Press One for Nick. Your host, Nick Limsdahl, is the Director of Contact Center Solutions at VDS. Through conversations with customer service and customer experience leaders, Nick and his guests exchange insightful stories, best practices, and invaluable lessons they have learned along the way. I am excited today to have Shep Hyken on the podcast. Shep is the Chief Amazement Officer at Shepherd Presentations, a customer service and a customer experience expert, a Hall of Fame speaker, and New York Times and the Wall Street Journal bestselling author. Welcome to the podcast, Shep. Hey, it's great to be here, Nick. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, a couple of things that people might not know about you, uh, and, and I just recently learned was, uh, for one, you play adult hockey. Can you tell us more <laughs> about that? Well, I'm an adult and I play hockey. Therefore, they call it, <laughs> you know, I, I played my, I first played when I was 11 years old. I quit playing when I was 12. I started playing again when I was 40. Uh, my, I bought my son, who at the time turned 10, some skates. And I said, I'm never going to rent those gross skates at the uh, ice rink. So I bought some <laughs> hockey skates and so we could skate together. And like, I don't know, a buddy of mine had brought his kid. And he says, why don't we go to like adult hockey school? That would be fun. And we did. And the next thing you know, I'm, I'm signed up for all these different groups. And I play several times a week and been doing it for years. And it's great exercise and a lot of fun. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I played a little bit in my time too. It's a great anaerobic exercise. So yeah. Um, the the other thing that uh, I just recently learned is that you play guitar. And uh, tell us a little bit about how maybe you got warmed up and some of your favorite songs you like to play. Oh man, I, I I'm so lucky. I've been playing guitar since I was a little kid. I also started about the time I was 12. I slowed down a little bit, but picked it up again, you know, 15, 20 years ago. And yeah. I've been lucky to play with some really cool rock stars uh, wow. over time. Uh, guys who uh, I play, I'm just really lucky. One that one of the drummers I play with uh, played with John Mellencamp and uh, John Fogarty. Another one plays with pink tours mm. with pink uh, the sax player. I play with pink Floyd, um, Bonnie Raitt, uh, uh, played the, our bass player played with Bonnie Raitt was music director, Ringo's all-star band played with them. You know, just, I get, I'm so lucky to play with these guys <laughs> and I don't get to play often, but when I play, I play, I play hard. You know? That's awesome. <laughs> That's so awesome. They're the best, uh, these guys. Yeah. Yeah. No, it sounds like it. So, you know, bringing you all the way back to uh, tell us about when you got started in customer experience. So the first experience, or I should say learning experience that I had in this area was when I was 12, I did uh, magic shows, birthday party magic shows. A lot of stuff happened when I was 12 years old. Yeah. Quit doing hockey, started doing more magic shows. (laughs) That was a smart move, I guess. And my mom said, write a thank you note to the people that just hired you to do this birthday party. Mm. My first birthday party was a Wednesday afternoon after school, a bunch of screaming little six-year-old kids, and I entertained them for about 45 minutes, and I got paid $16, which was a lot of money back then. My dad said, great idea. Next week, call the parents back up a week after they receive the thank you note and, and thank them again. And then ask them, how did you like the show? And they'll tell you they liked it. And then ask what they liked, what favorite tricks they had. And after yeah. a period of time, you'll start to hear the same tricks. So you know those are good tricks. But you'll also notice people won't talk about tricks. Said, get rid of those tricks and put it in tricks that they like. 
Now that's called showing appreciation, getting customer feedback, listening to the customer, and process improvement. Lessons that I had no idea that's what they were called back then, uh, but that was, those are the tenets of great service. I mean, you expect to, to show appreciation, listen to what your customers are saying about you and make improvements based on that. So um, we teach that. That's, a, that's like, you know, Shep 101. <laughs> so <laughs> back when you were- book too. It's what I was learning as a kid. Right. You could have started uh, writing books and doing presentations on customer experience at age 12 with, with the magic. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have imagined that? But that's where it all started. I graduated college, uh, was working for an oil company, and they owned convenience stores and gas stations. And about um, three or four months after that, um, I'd worked for them in high school. I worked at like uh, summer jobs. My, my mm -hmm. mom was smart. She said, Shep, you're making a lot of money doing this magic, but you need to f see what real work is about. Yeah. So I went to work for this gasoline company and, you know, we worked in the gas stations. And then I, in college, I worked at the headquarters and they had about a hundred stations or so. And when I graduated, I thought this is where I'm going to be the rest of my life. And so I, I remember graduating at the end of May, I got a week off. And I went to work for them full-time first part of June. June, July, August, September comes along, and they say we're selling the company. Jeez. Now what am I going to do? So I see a couple of motivational speakers one evening. I went, I don't know, my mom said, you should go to this. It looks entertaining. And I thought, that's what I can do. I had the entertainment background. I had college. I had a little business. I had a lot of, I don't know, nerve. Yeah. <laughs> And that's what I did. I, I wrote a speech and started calling companies and saying, this is what I do. Would you like to hire me? And wow. by golly, some of them did. <laughs> and it's worked out uh, beyond what, what, uh, what you can imagine probably. Yeah, who would have ever thought? And, you know, today I'm very lucky. There's three areas that we focus on. Number one is I do speeches all over the world on, for customer events, for industry events, for private events, you know, with clients. And then our second part of the business is we provide training, primarily focused on customer service, although we do get into some experience. Clients hire me to talk about experience, but with training, we're training employees. Okay. We do a little consulting in that area. And then the third area is we have online training and customer service. So I have a suite of online courses. So, you know, of course you got books and those, those even though you make a little bit of money, that's more about marketing and positioning than anything else. Yeah. But, you know, and I've been very lucky. I... I read a tremendous amount and I get a lot of my ideas from other people and then I just interpret them my own way. And oftentimes I just read titles of articles. And by the way, there are dozens every single day that yeah. come out and I have a Google alert and another company or another software program that alerts me to anything related to have certain terms or if certain authors write. Uh, so yeah. I look at customer service experience, loyalty, um, all these different terms and then different, you know, I know you had Dan Gingas on your yeah. program. I follow my buddy Dan because just because yeah. I always, you know, he's a buddy and I want to know what he's doing. I have lots of buddies like that. So every day I'm reading, probably read actually 10, 15 articles, but skim over probably double or triple that mm. and uh, read a lot of books. That's how I get my education. Of course, listening and watching what my clients are doing really helps yeah. as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a great overview. One of, one of the um, uh, topics or sayings that you talk about is, uh, is, is the word fine. So why, <laughs> why is fine the F-bomb of customer service? Yeah, it's, I say fine, a four-letter word that starts with F, the F-bomb of customer service and experience. I love that, yeah. And, and here's why. You know, if you think about it, what's fine? How is everything? It was fine. 
What does fine mean? Fine is like average, satisfactory, mediocre, mundane. What other words could I use to describe it? Like crossword puzzles, uh, mediocre, mundane. Uh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> There's, I, I like the word goodish. Goodish. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. goodish. Yeah. So if you were to look at a scale of one to five, where one is bad and five is great, you know, we've got one is bad, two is fair, three is average or fine. Okay. Mm-hmm. Four is good. But if you say good-ish, it kind of leans back toward average. And then you've got great. So the way to be amazing is to go beyond average. And you don't have to go that much beyond it. You just have to be consistently beyond it. So if you're even just 10% better than average, in other words, 3.3 on a scale of one to five, 3.3 will get you fives most of the time, as long as it's consistent. Now, once in a while, something will drop in your lap. Like you'll hear over here, a customer say something or you'll recognize an opportunity. Maybe there's a problem that comes your way and you're able to go above and beyond to solve it and resolve it for them. In that case, yeah, you get to go way above average. But most of the time, day in and day out, your customers will say, I love doing business with them because they always call back quickly. They are always knowledgeable. They're always so helpful. They're always friendly. The word always followed by something positive, even though it's not over the top positive. Mm -hmm. It's just positive. People will come back to you again and again because they're committed because you've proven that you'll give them, uh, you give them confidence, you yeah. give them a predictable experience, you'll give them, uh, you know, a consistency that is, and whenever, you, a cu- and this, by the way, all leads toward the customer trusting you. And when you connect with the word trust, it means there's this emotional connection. Mm-hmm. Once you have that emotional connection, they're with you. You know, as long as it's a positive emotion, (laughs) not a negative one, right, right. And that's the key because the only way you can get loyalty is through emotion. The reason people are loyal, there's repeat customers that come back again and again, but loyal customers will follow you if you move. They'll go a little extra. They'll spend a little bit more to do business with you because they've learned they can trust you and it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah, the, the one thing that nugget that you just said, I love the word trust too, but is uh, when you get a 3.3, most of the time they'll give you a five. I never really thought thought through that process. So It's a 3.3 consistently though. That's, right. that's what I'm yeah. saying. If it, so I'll give you an example. If you are a three one day and a four the next day and a three one day, and a, that's an average of 3.5. But what's happening is you're dropping to average yeah. on those days, okay? Uh, you, you know, forget about ones and twos. And by the way, just because a customer has a complaint or a problem doesn't mean you're going to get a one or a two right. unless you don't resolve it. Okay. Yeah. If you resolve it properly, it'll take you right back to a five. Okay. That's the key. And customers, when you can teach them that if you come to me with your problem, you will be very happy because I will do what it takes to make sure it's resolved. And that way, let's go back to that word always again. Even when there's a problem, I know I can always count on them to take care of me. That right. gets you that five. But back to the whole 3.3 thing, you know, if, if you're consistently and predictably above average, yeah. that's what earns you the five. But as soon as you get to average, you're going to get a four. You might get a three. Yeah. Hmm. That's on no. a scale of one to five. If you, you look at zero to 10 net promoter score, there's a whole nother, you know, language there, but it's the same type of thing. Sevens and uh, sixes and seven, I'm sorry, sevens and eights are your passives. That's considered the average score and the net promoter score. So if, if you're consistently better than an eight, even just a little bit, you're gonna get that nine or a 10 that you want. Right, no, that's a great point. Um, so you recently re- re-released uh, The Cult of the Customer. 
Yes. And as much as I would enjoy uh, breaking down each chapter and, and maybe doing a, a, a daily vlog on, on that, uh, we don't have the time today. But So I'm just going to pull out a few of the nuggets of the book. But before we get started, what is the cult of the customer? So first of all, cult is not a dirty word. And, and if, if you look at the Latin word cultus, which is the originator or whatever, the original, I don't know, uh, it's the... The, the word came from that, yeah. okay? Yeah. It's all about caring and tending to others. Uh, today, the word cult has some type of a negative association because of the cult-like organizations that uh, might have negative uh, bad press. Right. But cult is nothing more than a, a group of people that have a shared set of, of uh, practices, plans, values. If you go to the park, at, like, I would say that my Saturday morning hockey game it's like cult-like. We go every Saturday with my friends. We always go. We love to go. We play. We play hard. And then we go have breakfast afterward. I mean, that's a, that is, I do it every, every week like it's religion. You know, yeah, that true. in effect is a cult-like experience. But for the cult of the customer, it's like I want to be in that cult because it's the cult of amazement where customers love us. Mm -hmm. And there's five cults. Uh, real quickly, you've got the cult of uncertainty, which happens the first. And this is a, a phase that customers go through. And I just, by the way, the reason I call them cults, it's not something that I came up with. I would have never titled that book Cult of the Customer. <laughs> it was actually titled The Customer Focus, which yeah. was based on our training program. So a lot of what's in this book comes, like the exercises at the end of the book, we, our clients pay us pretty good money to send our trainers to do those exercises. So you get them in the book. But um, I was doing this and Wiley, uh, John Wiley and Sons approached me and said, we'd like you to consider writing that book for us. And I said, wow, but we want you to change the title to cult of the customer. And I struggled with that word cult till I started to understand what it really meant and talked to a few people. But uh, so there's these five cults or phases customers go through. And the first is uncertainty. When you go to do business with somebody for the first time, even if you've heard they've got a great reputation, you might even be excited to do business, but you're not going to know for sure until you actually experience it. Hence the word uncertainty. Yeah. Second is alignment. Once I start doing business with you and I start to experience what I've heard about, or even if I haven't heard about it, I just start to experience, you know, and it's hopefully good, but it could be bad. I start to get into alignment with what that company's about. Third is the actual word experience. Now I'm in there and I'm actually doing business with you. I'm buying from you and I kind of like it. And if I like it and I come back again and again and again, and I can predict what that experience is going to be. We talked about this early, that consistent and predictable experience. Mm -hmm. And that's now the cult of ownership. I mean, think about it. Experience would be, I walk into a house or an apartment that I just rented or a house that I bought I don't know where every light switch is and I'm learning my way around. And for the first few weeks, I'm experiencing what it's like to live in my home. Mm -hmm. And then one day I come in, my eyes are closed or the lights are out. And I just go right to the wall and I know exactly where the wall switch is. That's the difference between experience and ownership. Mm -hmm. So once I'm in that cult of ownership and it's a positive experience and it's predictable every time, then I am moving into the cult of amazement. That's when I say, they're amazing. They're always friendly. They're always nice. They're always helpful. They always call me back. Just all the things we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. and, and that's how you know you're in amazement. And this is what's really cool. It's the first time there's a mistake, the customer all of a sudden goes back to uncertainty. 
until they know you're going to take care of it. And then they jump over all the other places back to five again, you know, a, a, mm. the fifth cult, which is a cult of amazement. So that's where you want your customers to be. Don't get hung up on the word amazement as an over the top, blow me away experience. Yep. My definition of amazement is consistent and predictable above average experiences. Hmm. <clears throat> so you mentioned the, the lowest one was uncertainty. And inside the book, you mentioned that most companies kind of operate in that uncertainty. Yeah. Why is that? It's because one day it's great and next day it's okay. And if you talk to the wrong person, you get a bad experience. I mean, you know, all you need to do is pick up the phone and, and go, to, go to the internet, put in zappos.com and then pick up the phone and call the phone number. Yeah. And then hang up and call somebody else. It's the same. Unbelievably friendly people. It's just, it's like, it's what you would expect from what you hear and you want it proven to you, just do it. Call them and act like you're going to buy something. Tell them you want to buy a pizza. They don't sell pizzas, but they'll help you find one. That's what they do. That's what the, you know, the, the lore of, you know, that late night call from a friend of Tony Shea, the CEO of Zappos at two o'clock in the morning, he's in San Francisco and he wants a pizza. So he calls the helpline at zappos.com and they find him in a 24 hour restaurant that's going to deliver him pizza <laughs> it's, it's crazy Call us about anything yeah but i mean you want to, you want to experience that consistency yeah there's certain companies that are just like that that you know you can count on every single time there's a reason that usaa gets top ratings every year from the customer satisfaction scores from their members their insurance company they have they call them members not customers Mm-hmm. But there's a reason, and that's because consistently and predictably, they're always at that game. Hmm. So inside, so with most companies sitting inside that uncertainty level, maybe what are some signs that uh, companies could look out for to say, aha, maybe I am sitting inside of uncertainty? Well, take a look at a re- your repeat customer numbers. Uh, take a look at your employee turnover. I mean, by the way, the employees go through the same five cults or phases that customers do. It's just done internally. Uh, You know, I've got a new job. I'm going to go to work there. I hope it's good. And then, okay, now I'm onboarding. That's alignment. Now I'm experiencing that's my day to day. Now Mm -hmm. I'm making friends and I'm looking forward to going to work because, you know, I own that experience and it's positive. I can't wait. And that's putting me in a cult of amazement. So, I mean, you take a look at your employees and what they're saying, what you're hearing, and you should get that feedback, by the way. And if you start to see inconsistent levels of feedback, you know you're not operating in amazement, you're operating in uncertainty. Yeah. And, and what's the consequences of not, uh, of, of being, staying in status quo inside that uncertainty level? Yeah, a churn. You, you, you lose customers because customers, they'll stay with you as long as you're convenient you know, uh, to a point, but if you're, so, you know, if you've got a product that does what it's supposed to do and you back it up with good service, and if you want to take it to another level, be easy and convenient to do business with, mm-hmm. then, you know, you may have a recipe for holding on to that customer, but the moment you slip into uncertainty, the moment there's uh, well, I, you know, and by the way, if you've got a hundred employees and they're all rock stars and you hire one extra person who's not, and I happen to talk to that person that day, that's how I think of the whole company. All 100 of those rock stars are now placed into this mediocrity level because right. I dealt with a customer or dealt with a, uh, a salesperson or a customer service rep or anybody that was maybe apathetic. They weren't very attentive to me. They didn't care. And so now I think, well, that's the way everybody is there. So what we want to do is we want to try to create this consistency. And when you can start to see this consistent level of numbers, if you're happy with the numbers, we'll stay there and keep doing what you're doing right. But if you're unhappy and they're consistent, 
Now you need to work on, on areas. So um, to give you some ideas, a journey map is a very basic common sense principle that's used a lot. You map out what your typical customer journey is. And what we suggest is you look at every one of those interaction points and say, is this as good as it can be? And then look down what's behind the scenes that's, you know, driving that interaction point. Maybe something in the process inside the company is making it hard for the customer on the outside. So let's see if we can fix that. Another suggestion I have is to take a look at the companies you love doing business with. What is it that you like about them? Mm-hmm. And don't just say, oh, I like because they're friendly. Everybody's friendly. You know, that's, that's a given. But what, what, what do they really do? And I'll give you an example. A, a long time ago, there was this company called CD Baby. I don't know if you remember who they are, but you mm-hmm. would buy CDs. You may not even remember what those, those are. <laughs> I do, uh, yeah. Now I use my CDs as coasters. Uh, <laughs> you don't need CDs because your music comes through streaming you know, on Spotify or whatever. Anyway, um, uh, years ago, so I, I'll never forget when I ordered something from them, I immediately get this email that says, hi, I'm so-and-so. I'm the computer-generated assistant, you know. Yeah. No, it wasn't acting like they were trying to fool me. No, they're saying, and I just want you to know, we got your order and your order is shipping today. And I'm going to check in with you in a few days. And all you need to do is when I say, did you get your order? Say yes. If there's a problem, tell me and I'll get it taken care of for you. I'm going, that's freaking brilliant. You know, this was a long, long time ago. Well, now that's yeah. kind of table stakes. But yeah. I mean, Amazon creates this confidence because the moment you place the order, you get an email saying your order's placed. Now your order's being shipped. Now it, your order's delivered and they show a picture of it sitting outside your door so you know it's actually arrived. Mm-hmm. And all those uh, areas of opportunity are confidence it raises, which lays, uh, raises the trust that you have with your customers. Yeah. No, it's, it's absolutely true. And, you know, when somebody else, when you order from somebody else and that email doesn't immediately show up, it's saying, hey, we, we have your order and here's when it's going to show up. You immediately are starting to have that doubt or that uncertainty immediately right. until they give you that peace of mind. Um, so it's, it's definitely, um, I agree with you wholeheartedly. You know, going from uncertainty into alignment, you call is the most crucial phase. Uh, why is that? Well, I think that you want to get them away from uncertainty as quickly as you can. And as soon as they start, so alignment, it's like you're moving out of uncertainty, but you're also moving into experience. And as soon as you can get that customer to start to experience what you want them to experience, you know, you're, you, that's the place. And it happens in alignment. And uh, I'm going to, if I'm, if I've got a, a brand promise um, I'll give you an example. The Ritz-Carlton is one of my favorite. They call it a credo. I call them mantras. Mantras are one sentence or less phrases or sentences that would define what your customer service vision is. Mm-hmm. Ours is three words. Always be amazing. We want to be amazing to our clients and teach our clients to be amazing to their customers, clients, members, whatever. The Ritz-Carlton is nine words long. We're ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Wow. These people, they think they're ladies and gentlemen, and they're going to treat me like a lady or a gentleman. I want to find out what that's about. Okay. So this is where I come in uncertain. And as soon as I'm starting to see how they treat me, they use my name. Uh, They don't just stand behind the counter and point. They actually come around the counter and take me to wherever it is I need to go. I mean, I start to experience these little things that add up to the experience. And now it's, I'm in alignment. I go, you know, this is kind of good. And you know, every time I come into the lobby, that lady that checked me in says, hi, Mr. Hyken. Wow. 
the, the gentleman at the bell stand. He remembered my name too. Right. This is amazing. And, and let's see what happens tomorrow. Same thing. Oh, this is normal. I like this. You know, that's that cult of ownership, right? And I like it. So it's really thrown me into amazement. So ownership and amazement are pretty much together, unless you're not amazing. <laughs> then it's by itself. <laughs> and it's there. It's like, I don't know what I'm getting. Why am I even doing business with them? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, you, you mentioned um, your employees. And, and I think that uh, it makes sense to to treat your employees uh, the same or better. And you mentioned that in the book. Um, yep. Can you give more detail about that? So I refer to that as uh, something I call the employee golden rule. And the golden rule as we know it is, and it's not the rule that says he who has the gold makes the rules. That, mm. That's another golden rule, but that's right. a different one. This is what we learn as kids, uh, do unto others as we would want done unto ourselves. Now, there's all kinds of twists on that. But what I refer to as the employee golden rule is do unto employees as you want done unto your customers. Maybe mm -hmm. even better, just to really set the tone on the inside. And this is where everybody gets to be the role model, but leadership really has to model what's happening on the inside of that organization. Mm. Yeah, that's great. So I, I wrap up every podcast with two questions for all my guests. Does this mean we're almost at the end? This is, this is so oh, quick, isn't it? <laughs> we, we, we could do it again. We'll, we'll schedule and talk only about hockey and guitars. Okay, there right. you go. Uh, so, uh, and the first question is, is what book or person has influenced you the most in the past year? And the second question is, if you could leave a note to all of the customer service or customer experience professionals, what would it say? Okay. Oh, man. Okay, so let's talk about it. So, so the first thing we said, what's the book that's most influenced you? Yeah, or um, person. I, I know, but I'm going to give you both. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to tell you the book is, is called The Experience Economy. And that book came out like 25 years ago. But the reason I could say in the last year is uh, it was re-released. Yep. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> so I, that book has been, a, that's like one of my favorite, it is my favorite business book of all time. Uh, Joe Pine and Jim Gilmore, phenomenal book. Uh, and it really uses a, an example we can always re, all relate to and that's Starbucks because they take a commodity, a coffee bean and turn it into a $5 or $3, or $4, whatever it is, expensive cup of coffee. Right. Okay? Yeah. And how they get you to be willing to do that day after day. But I would say uh, while he's always been a customer service hero of mine, Horst Schultz, the co-founder and president of, of uh, the Ritz-Carlton chain. I got to, he came out with a book about a year plus ago and I interviewed him for it. And then I interviewed him again earlier this year. And just talking to the man is like, you know, he's the guy, he understands it. He gets it more, you know, and it's just so lovely to have a conversation at that level. Um, the next question was, what note would I leave mm -hmm. to everyone? Yep. Um, I would say, first of all, customer service is not a department. It is a philosophy to be embraced by everyone. Hmm. Customer support is a department, but customer service is a philosophy. Wow. That was amazing. Uh, great, great advice and, and great book and, and person to, uh, to recommend. Um, you know, how do our listeners get a hold of you and they they say, hey, I want to buy your book or I want to uh, have you do a, a keynote or in, in this instant, a virtual keynote. Virtual uh, what's keynote, the, yeah. What's the best way to get a hold of you? So, uh, hyken.com, H-Y-K-E-N. And you, you, Nick, you and I know uh, when you came on here, I had my multiple cameras and my slides popping up and 
So we tried, we take virtual keynotes to beyond, you know, the talking head, like a typical Zoom. We try to give a little more texture to it. You know, Steven Spielberg spent millions of dollars to entertain us on this one little scene in a movie. Mm -hmm. You know, I figure I could spend an extra couple thousand on the right cameras and switchers and <laughs> to make it better for our clients. It was actually really neat. So uh, when you do book them, you get more than just the, the head-on experience. You get an interactive standing up, sitting down, side, side view. Uh, he doesn't have <laughs> a bad side. So uh, Shep, I really appreciate your time today and uh, wish you the best here in the future. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I look forward to coming back and doing this again. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Press 1 for Nick. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share. Until next time, focus on your customers. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.